Praise the Lord, mightiest prophet of the Lord. Amen. Now we need to continue. In Kampala, Uganda and globally, we saw in the first segment what came out very clearly in the first segment is that there is a day that is coming. The day that has been set aside an appointed day, an appointed time, appointed by the wisdom of God Almighty in heaven, a day that nobody knows of the hour or the day itself, nobody knows that day or the hour at which it will happen, when the Messiah will come for the church. And we have seen that in the ministry of the Lord of the earth, He said, you know the way to where I am going. You know the way. And I brought it to your complete attention here that the way to the kingdom of the Messiah, to the kingdom of his father, of his God, of Jehovah, the kingdom of heaven, that way passes through the cross. And so I want to minister to the ministers of the gospel in Kampala, Uganda, and globally, on this very important aspect of the way through the cross, how this way passes through the cross. And then, after that, the church that has passed, has passed through the cross, the church that has crucified the flesh, then I will now give you the identity of that church. These are the instructions of God the Father in heaven. And it's such a tremendous privilege to share with you this eternal gospel, the eternal instruction of eternal God Almighty in heaven. We are operating at such a time when all the signs are in the air, everybody can see that surely the Messiah is coming. You see the historic revival in Kenya, right now they are going from village to village, harvesting cripples, removing cripples, looking for cripples to gather them and bring them to the service tomorrow, the healing service tomorrow. And yet tomorrow, I will not leave my residence. The Lord has still restrained me back. He will not allow me to step out. But many cripples will get up and walk. Tremendous historic and time revival, going village to village, getting the blind, recording them, recording them crippled, recording them blind, and then when they are healed, then there you go, the glory of the Lord is manifested, the Lord is glorified. This latter reign was promised, but we are now seeing that at the foundation, when this revival is on, 
the main foundation of this revival is righteousness. He's prepared the way the Messiah is coming. It is holiness, the return to holiness, repentance, the turning away from sin. That however powerful it is, it calls one message, it trumpets one message, the Messiah is coming, prepare the way. And so I want to look at what he meant when he said in John 14 verse 4, as I start now to enter into the instruction of the vision of January 15th, remember the theme of our message today, the theme is January 15th, 2017, when God the Father himself, he that knows the day and the hour, came down to speak with me about the day of the coming of the Messiah and the instruction to the church, which I'm giving to you now. And we saw that there is a garment. And we saw that those that wear the garment, they have a characteristic. They are the people, a people prepared unto the Lord. They are prepared unto Jehovah. And we saw that there is a tremendous responsibility on the ministry of the pastor, of the minister of the gospel, to prepare your respective nations. To prepare Sweden, prepare Norway, Finland, prepare South Korea again, prepare Hong Kong, prepare Laos, all the nations of the earth, the islands, beloved people, that you may prepare them forth into our people prepared unto the Lord their God, unto the Lord Jehovah their God. So you know the way that leads to the way to where I am going. I'm now reading from Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 on, the way that leads through the cross, the way he showed the judge. He says here, Matthew 26, verses 36, 36, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane. And he says, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And pray, beloved people. The Messiah is telling them, sit here, you remain here while I go over there. Let me separate a little bit from you people because there is a conversation I want to have with the Father. You stay here, but keep watch as I go there to pray, to speak to the Father. He took Peter and the two sons of the Virgin along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled, beloved people. He took Peter, John, and James, because we know that John and James are the two sons of the baby. He did not. He did not take all the twelve disciples. Hey. When he 
is now time to show the church the way that goes into the kingdom of God. Now he takes a remnant. He takes a few. He takes only three. And he took Peter and the two sons of the baby along with him and they began to be sorrowful and seriously troubled. He took only Peter, John and James, three of them. Jesus had twelve disciples. But when it's time to show the church, to show them to show the house of the Lord, to show the body of Christ, the way that leads to eternity. He takes only three, only three. Takes Peter, John, and James, the two sons of the baby and Peter. And these three are the same ones, the only three, when it was time for the Messiah to reveal his glory. When it was time for the Messiah to reveal the glory bestowed upon him by God the Father. In other words, the glory that God the Father has apportioned the Messiah, has assigned him. When it was time to reveal the glory of the Messiah, in other words, to reveal the true identity, the hidden identity of the Messiah, the Christ, he took Peter, John, and James, honestly, the same three. Matthew 26, 37. He took Peter, 
in here. This is not for everybody in the church. Hey! How can you teach it like this? How can the Messiah teach this like this? He's saying it's for a few in the house. And he said, seriously sorrowful and troubled. But that yet, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with maximum sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Hey! The Messiah was their defender. The Messiah was their rabbi, their teacher. He was their mentor. The Messiah was their protector. The Messiah was their provider. He was their providence. He was their everything. Their father. They knew the Messiah as their peace when they are in the sea of Galilee and the storm comes. It is the Messiah that brought them peace. Hey. But when now it is time for the Messiah to reveal to the church the way that goes to the kingdom of God, that passes through the cross. Now the Messiah is seriously troubled. The peace is taken away from the Messiah. Hey! And it only requires those who have a heart who can withstand this, who can watch this and remain having faith in the Messiah. Hey! And remain obedient to the Messiah. And remain submitted, submissive to the Messiah. Not all. How awesome. He was talking to them very plainly. And then when it came to talking to the multitude, he spoke to them in power. And they asked him, they said, how can you do this? People don't hear you. They don't understand this gospel. They threw in the towel. He said, no, it is not for a few. Only to they that seek shall it be revealed. A people unto the Lord. And he says, sorrowful even unto death. Verse 39. Going a little further, he fell face down to the ground and prayed. The Messiah fell with his face down. Look at how the Messiah approaches God the Father. A sign of reverence. A sign of submission. A sign of obedience. And now, we have moved from the garden of Eden, the garden of disobedience, now we are into the garden of Gethsemane, the garden of absolute obedience. We have moved from the garden of Eden, the garden of insubordination, to the garden of Gethsemane, the garden of complete submission. 
relation to God. So the garden of sin to the garden of righteousness, beloved people. The church must now be restored. The minister of the gospel must now pass the church through the cross and deliver the church to eternity. Hey. The minister of the gospel. His name is Jesus. 39. Go a little further. He fell face to the ground and prayed, My father, I'm a Shalim Hebrew. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. My father, if it be possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Not my will, but your will. I, it is now not easy when the Messiah wants to show the church the way to eternity, the way to heaven. It is now heavy. And he talks about the cup, the cup. And the Messiah is saying, Lord, this cup is too heavy for me. It is too bitter. The Messiah, the Prince of Peace, when there is a storm in the ocean, he stands up and he says, be still. And the storm obeys. But now, there is a storm on the Messiah. Hey! The Messiah is now troubled. The Prince of Peace now has no peace. Hey! And he's saying, Father, I want to give up. I don't think I can manage this car. Take it away from me. If you ask me, take it away from me. But if it be your will, I will do it. He leads on and says, Then he returned to his disciples and told them asleep, Couldn't you man keep watch with me for one more hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Hey, the way that leads to eternity before I discuss the garment. This is the process that prepares the garment you saw in Revelation 19. Fine linen, bright and clean was given to the church. Today I am walking the church through the process that prepares the righteousness of God for the church. Hey! That you too may wear the garment. After that, I will now characterize the qualities of the garment in the church. That you may know. That you may prepare your people, your churches, your congregations, as a people unto the Lord, ready and waiting, anticipating the coming of the Messiah. How beautiful, how mighty. And he says that he came back, he found them asleep, very disturbed. Couldn't you men keep watch for one hour, just one hour? Then verse 40, watch and pray that you are not tempted, falling into temptation. And then he says, while the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Now, when the Messiah
church. The elected church. The elect. The remnant church. The beloved church. The blessed church. The adopted church. The way to eternity with God. The way to heaven. The way to the kingdom of God. Then he warns them. He says, For you to pass through this cross and enter eternity, there is going to be a battle, a battle, a fight. A battle between the spirit and the flesh in the church. <laughs> and he says, watch out. That is the deadly one. That is the most dangerous one. Temptation. The battle between the spirit and the flesh. And remember, the spirit must always win. Must. For you to enter. And he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mark 43 says, he went away a second time. Look how the Messiah is troubled. He came, he went back a second time and prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, the church for this battle that they may pass through this way and see eternity that they may march victorious a battle between the spirit and the flesh and he says, he went on and he says, Father, if it is not going to be possible for you to take away this cup, then I ask, because it be your will, let me just drink it. Because of your will, because of the will of God. Hey! Which cup is this he's talking about? And when you go further on, the scripture says Jesus arrested. And the next one, there you go, could teach the North Road. The way that leads to it. The 
is the cup of the bitterness of the cross. When it says, whosoever wants to follow me, let him pick up his cross and follow me. This is what he meant. And then you go to the book of Revelation, it says, whosoever overcomes, those who will overcome, overcomers, those who will have crucified the flesh and brought the flesh under the submission, subjection, under the spirit. What is the Lord saying on the garment, then, beloved people, gathered in Kampala? He's saying that the scripture before Gethsemane is the Last Supper. There is a Last Supper there. And at the Last Supper, the Messiah took the cup of his blood and he gave them, he said, this, my blood, is the true drink. Take it. This is the cup of my blood, the new covenant of my blood that is poured out for you. He gave them the cup of his blood. The Messiah had already seen his blood poured out. The Messiah was laying to the church that the power of the church is the blood. The blood. The blood, the blood, and only the blood. That the heart, Corazon in Spanish, Omtima in Uganda, the heart of the gospel is the cross. And the power to the gospel is the blood. Then why? Why has the modern day minister of the gospel in Uganda and the whole world rejected the bitter cup of the cross and the blood of Jesus? Why? Why are they preaching another gospel? When the Lord showed very, very clearly here that there is a bitter cup. There is a cup of the bitterness of the cross that the church must partake of. He partook of it and he said, this cup is bitter. If you ask me, I don't want to take it. But if it be the will of God the Father, I must take it just to make sure that the will of God prevails. Why has the church in Uganda refused to allow the will of God prevail in the house? When you look at the church in Uganda, Lambole Stadium, In the stadium in Kololo, in the stadiums of Uganda, Nakivubo Stadium, they do big meetings, they're big meetings, they call them the Gospel Crusades, 
And when you go there and listen, you find another gospel being released. In other words, you find them leaving the church to another road, another road. And yet today, the Lord has already shown me the narrow way that enters the glory, the kingdom of glory. Hey. And the Messiah is showing the church and is saying there is a cup, a cup of bitterness that the pastor in Uganda must preach if you want the ship to enter. Hey, how do you preach this gospel to a modern people? A modern generation like Uganda. They love prosperity gospel. They love more money the better. They love the deception, the lies, the what, the falsehood. A sweet gospel that does not involve beholding this cup. Hey. The Lord is saying, however painful it may be, for the minister of the gospel in Uganda, for the church of Christ in Uganda, however politically incorrect you may be in Uganda, he says, for as long as the will of God will be upheld, he says, continue beholding that bitter cup. For as long as it's the will of God, you hold that cup. But you look at the church in Uganda, you see the will of men in the church. The way they dress, you ask, is this really the will of God in Uganda? You come to Ginger, you look at Ginger, the way in Ginger, Iganga, the way they dress, you ask yourself, in this church, is this really the will of God for this church? You look at the preaching in Kampala, Uganda, in Mbale, Tororo, in Soroti, Mirakitku. You wonder, is this really the will of God for this country, for this church? Is it the will of God in the church that they may preach this gospel of the flesh? And he says, because he took them to see this. Matthew 20, I need to come back to the garments now. I have now navigated you very slowly on how the church needs to crucify the flesh. Step away from the worldliness, the pleasures of the sinful world. That's what he's talking about here. You go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7 also. 13, 14, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, hell. Who is Jesus addressing here? The church. The Messiah is talking to the church. He's telling them that there is a narrow way for few people, for the remnant, the elect of God, and that narrow way goes to life, eternal life, to the kingdom of God, but it passes through the cross. 
It is not popular. And I throw the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, in other words, hell. And many enter it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So the Lord is addressing the church in Uganda. And by extension, the church in Europe, Africa, Latin America, South America, the church in Asia, Australia, New Zealand, the islands, globally. The Lord is saying that right now, in the house of Christ, in the house of the Lord, in the church of Christ, there are two churches. There is the wise virgin and the foolish virgin. And he says, that Matthew 25, 1 to 13, is happening to the church right now. The wise virgin, the foolish virgin. And he's saying that the wise virgin, the wise church, the wise congregation, right now walks the narrow road. She walks under the fear of God. The fear of God is wisdom. Behold, it is the fear of God that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. And there is another congregation in the same church that is walking the white road. They love the pleasures of this world. When the Messiah wanted to show the remnant church, the elect, he took a remnant and he showed them the way to the Father. And he told them, it is full of conflict between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit and the flesh. But he said, you choose the will of God that the spirit may win, may be triumphant, may be victorious. Hey. Right now. Right now. There is a church globally that has chosen that the will of the world triumph in the house. I am speaking about preparing for the glorious coming of the Messiah. Preparing, preparing a righteous church, a holy church, a righteous garment for the church. And he says, there is a cup of bitterness that the church must take, but our cup is lighter than the Messiah. When the Messiah was carrying the cup, almost surrendering the cup in the garden of Gethsemane, the Messiah traveled. He was in pain. Agony, suffering, so 
it. Because those not yet born. He was carrying like this in that car. And the wrath of the judgment was in the car. God the Father has turned his face away from the Messiah. God the Father has now brought his fierce anger against sin in the same cup. Heaven has been shut on him. That's why it was a travail, he could not bear it. But for us, he has given us another cup. A lighter cup. My knock is lighter. Give me yours. He has given us a cup when the grace of God is on us. Then he's saying, don't worry about your sinful friend. If you go to the pastor's fellowship where they are talking about money, 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 let us invite a white man from Europe, from America, to bring us dollars here in Uganda. If you go to a pastor's fellowship where they are discussing how to take money from a white man, from abroad, he's saying you can cut those friends and drink the cup, the bitter cup of the cross and walk the narrow road. But he says, when you separate from your friends, it is still lighter. Because God will love you. The love of God will be on you. Heaven will be open on you. The grace of God will be upon you when you choose the will of God today. It is lighter than the Messiah. Hey! When you see that some of your pastor friends in Kampala, in Uganda, in Mane, in Mityana Masaka, Kafese, Toro, their agenda, when you see that they are talking about women, women, sexual sin with women, who has given which woman pregnancy, what? You can separate from that and have the will of God reign in your life. Jesus said that if it is your will, I am ready to carry it. Hey. And walk the narrow road. There are few people walking there, but they are headed to the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 20, as I finish, but this segment and now enter the garment, the church that has taken the words I'm laying before you today. The church, this is essentially the crucifying of the flesh. The church that follows this way. Then I'll come to the garment she wears and how heaven celebrates historic the day of the Lord when the Lord comes to the church. She wears the garment. Matthew 20. Matthew 20. Matthew 20. Verses 23 on. Matthew 20, beloved pastors in Uganda. Verse 23 on. 
Let's begin all the way from verse 20, beloved people. Because today we have the latitude of reading as we will. He says, the mother's request, a mother's request. He says, then the mother of the lady's son came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down before him asked a favor of him. Now, you have to understand that in the Bible, in Israel, they call them the sons of Jacob. They call them the sons of Abraham. They call them the sons of Gideon. The sons of Jeremiah. The sons of Nehemiah. They are called according to the father. That's why, instead of saying, the lady's son, I mean, I mean instead of saying, the, the, the wife, they say, they, they say, the, the wife, the mother of the baby's son. They call the son according to the father. Then the mother of the baby's son came to Jesus with her son and bowing down, kneeling before him, asked the favor. What is it you want? Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left. In your kingdom. Verse 22, Jesus answered, he says, You don't know what you are asking. You don't know what you ask. You don't know what you are asking. Jesus said to them, The mother of the baby's son, John and James, them, the three. He said to them, Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? You see, he mentioned the cup now. We can be answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup. Because you are the church. You are the church that enters. You are going to pass through some tribulation. Don't worry. It is through your will. But to sit on my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to whom they have been prepared, in other words, reserved, by my Father. How powerful, beloved people. How precious a message. The message of the cross, the message of the blood, the message of the rejection of the pleasures of this sinful world. The pleasures of sin. The message of the cup of the blood of Jesus. The Lord said here to the church, when he talked to the mother of the baby's sons, and he spoke to the two sons of the baby, John and James, he essentially spoke to the pastors in Uganda, the pastors globally tuned in now. He said, yes indeed, there is a cup that you must drink of, a cup of the bitterness of crucifying your flesh, the bitterness of the cross, the cup 
I will have opened it. It will be easier for you. But you must bear the cup of the blood of the covenant. That is the cup that washes the sins of man. That is the cup that bestows righteousness upon the church. The God you saw in Revelation 19, fine linen, bright and clean, was given to the church. Oh. The cup of the blood. The cup of the bitterness of the cross. The blood of Jesus. The cup of rejection. The cup of sorrow. The cup of separation. The church of Christ must be separated from the evil of the world. Moral decay. And when you separate, you will walk in Matthew chapter 7, the narrow road. 13 to 14, the narrow road. What is the Lord saying here? As I finish on how the church was instructed to crucify her flesh. So that I now enter the identity of the church that has crucified the flesh and entered the narrow way, going to heaven. The church wearing the garment. The church, when the day of the Messiah comes, heaven will celebrate when they look at her. She will be ready. Hey! How powerful! Matthew chapter 20 we saw. Beloved people, the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. So I may wind down this segment here. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. Hallelujah. Turn with me there, blessed pastors and ministers of the gospel in Kampala, Uganda. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. You can read the whole thing at home. But for now verse 3. He says. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hey. We saw in Matthew chapter 20. The Lord saying, Matthew 20, we just saw now, from verse 20 on, when the mother to the sons of the lady was asking for preparation, certain sitting places, she was making reservation for her son. She was saying that I brought up my son so well, according to the standards of this world, the standards I see the church in Uganda upholding the standards of the world. The more money, the better. The more connection political, the better. The more beloved by the mayor, the better. The more what, the better. The standards of the world. She was telling Jesus making some preferential 
order. She was ordering. She was actually uh, making reservations for the son. Can you allow my son, when they enter heaven, to sit on the chairs, they sit one on the right of you, one on the left of you. Preferential treatment. Hey. And the Messiah told her, I am sorry, the church has to walk this narrow way. However, the kingdom of heaven has special seats that the Father himself has prepared for those that will enter his kingdom. The kingdom of heaven has been especially and specially prepared by my Father for certain people that he has prepared the kingdom for them. Certain elect. My Father has prepared his kingdom and reserved certain seats. All the seats in heaven are reserved for certain people that my father favors. Hey! He says, it is not mine. I cannot decide. I cannot tell you where they will sit. He says, have been prepared by my father. The kingdom of heaven has been prepared for certain believers, for a certain type of church, by the father himself. Hey, how mighty. And he's saying in Matthew chapter 5 verse 3, that blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God prepared. Hey! Now you understand who they are. Those who have crucified the flesh is saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven prepared. It is prepared for them by the Father. We are getting a little understanding before I enter the garment. On the other side, there will be a garment, a glorious garment of righteousness, but now I am opening up the narrow road that passes through the cross and how they can crucify the flesh and emerge from the other side with a glorious garment, the light of the world. And when the Messiah comes, find them ready with righteousness. This is the way the Holy Spirit was sent to direct the church to, navigate the church to this way. The poor in spirit. Who are these poor in spirit, beloved people? If you look at the church today, ah, oh, she's a wealthy church. She looks like she's very wealthy in spirit. Very, very wealthy. If you look at the behavior of the church in Kampala, Uganda. Hey! She's a church that exudes herself. She projects herself. 
as a church that is worth in spirit. And yet he says here, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now you begin to understand who are those the Father prepared the kingdom for. And even you, the preachers, the ministers of the gospel in Kampala, gather today. You can easily prepare the church that is poor in spirit. But when the day comes, they get to enter. Matthew, let me open this a little more for you to understand how the flesh is crucified on this cross. And then we go to the garment. The garment is a seven hour message, but I'll squeeze it into one and a half hours when I finish this. I'm saying, Matthew chapter 18, who are these poor in spirit that the kingdom of heaven belongs to? Who are these people that now the Lord said, no, 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 the Father in heaven has prepared a kingdom for that church. Which church is this? Who are they? Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 25. Matthew 18, 23 to 25, beloved people, defining the bride of Christ to the pastors and the ministers of the gospel that they may go back to their churches, to their congregations, to their communities, to their societies, and prepare our people unto the Lord, prepared and ready for the Messiah. Righteous, holy, without wrinkle, without spot, above God, with integrity, glorious, mature, a faithful church. Matthew chapter 18, 23, 24, all the way 25, he says the following. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, but the other scriptures say 10,000 talents. A man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought unto him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be auctioned, be sold to repair the debt, to auction him, sell him, sell his wife, sell the children also, and everything. Pay. How much was the debt then? 10,000 talents. <laughs> talents of gold. That must have been the price of a human being. He's saying, verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything. Verse 27. 
And he says the following. Ezra 34 verse 7. He says. He says. Verse 6 on is very good. You understand better. He says. And he passed. In front of Moses. Proclaiming the Lord. The Lord. The compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger. Abounding in love. And faithful, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of their parents, their fathers, for our fathers to the third and fourth generation. Hey! Meaning, if we were to stand before God, the Lord would have to judge you for the sins of your parents also. Hey! He's saying, the cup, the church that beholds the cup, the cup of the blood of Jesus, and walks the narrow way that passes through the cross is the repentance church. She knows I cannot. She knows what the lady, the mother of the lady's son said is wrong. I cannot pay my way to the kingdom of God. If he was to take stock, take audit of my sins, I cannot. He has to forgive me. And he said, And the king had mercy on him and counseled his death. He's saying, The church that walks the narrow road, the narrow way that leads to life, eternal life, is the church whose death has been counseled. She has enjoyed a death cancellation. She has repented and cried for mercy. I know if you read down the parable, that guy falls. But I'm saying this part. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Hey! Beloved people, what then now is the message of the Lord to the church in Kampala, Uganda, and to the church globally? You have now seen that the Lord was talking about those that need repentance, those that will behold the cup of the bitterness of the cross. The church, that when I come to your nation and I say, repent, 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 for the kingdom of God is near. Repent and turn away from sin. Repent and prepare the way of the Messiah. He was talking about the church 
she hears that, she will repent and turn away from sin totally and be forgiven, and she also will forgive those who sin against her and begin a new journey on a narrow road to the glorious kingdom of God. He was talking about a church that understands zero tolerance to sin. That when you repent, then Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6 applies. Hebrews chapter 6, 4 to 6. Even chapter 10, 26, 31, I'm reading 10, 26, for example. And he says, Hebrews chapter 10, 26, all the way to 31, he says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, in other words, after we have repented and received Jesus, after we have beheld the cup of the bitterness of the cross, the cup he passed on to the church, the cup of the covenant of the Lord, in other words, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy at the testimony of one or two witnesses. And then he says, how much more will they be punished? They that have trampled, eh? they that have trampled the Son of God underfoot and treated as an holy thing. The blood of the covenant that sanctified them. He's saying, the church that is aware of the warning or the abuse of the grace in Kampala, Uganda, and all over Uganda now, and globally, the grace is being abused. You can only abuse the grace if you don't understand the cost, the price, the price of the debt cancellation that we got. But if you are the church that could not pay your sins, you cannot pay that debt before the Lord. And he counts of your debt. And you say, wow, I have survived. You cannot abuse the grace. You treasure the grace. He left the church that will treasure the cross. The cross and the blood is repentance. Pastors in Uganda, go back and teach repentance to the church. Let me now look at the garment that she wears. The raiment that that church wears. And I have about 18 minutes to do this before we take a short break again. Now the garment he talks about. I have walked with you through the process of the crucifixion, the crucifying of the flesh in the church. Walking the salvation of the narrow road. The church that treasures repentance. Look at her in Kenya. When you look at Kenya now, you see that church. 
the beloved church. And I want the church in Uganda to be like the church in Kenya, that the glory of God may pour in Uganda the way it's pouring in Kenya. Hey! The church in Kenya that accepted repentance. Of course in Kenya you have the other church that still is walking the white road. But I'm talking about these ones that took repentance became repentant. Every time they thought they repented the Lord, I did not know that was sin. They are dressing holy and everything. Can we now look at the identity of that church? And the next topic, by looking at the identity of that church, I want now to look at the raiment of the Lord, the garment of the Lord, the raiment of the Lord, the fine linen, bright and clean, you saw in Revelation 19. That is what I want to look at right now. Hey, what a blessed opportunity, beloved people. The raiment of the Lord. What is the identity of the church that you, the ministers of the gospel in Uganda, ought to prepare, have to prepare, Remember in Ephesians 4, 11 all the way to 16, it says, Called that you may prepare forth a people unto the Lord, a mature church, without wrinkle, without stain. I'm now beginning to describe your job description, Uganda. And those tuned in globally, in Australia, we are coming to Australia in March, maybe May, and many other nations. But what is the identity of the church? Why is the Lord sending me to you? What is the identity of the church that He requires the pastors to build? The ministers of the gospel. So the title is the raiment of the Lord, the garment of the Lord. Today, I am slaughtering the gospel of prosperity in Uganda. The gospel of the world, the gospel of the flesh, I am putting it to the sword. That the Ugandans may now go back to the true gospel of the cross. Yeah. And it's another road. But it will lead you to eternity. I am loving Uganda. If anybody comes and gives me another gospel and shows you the white road, he does not love you, he's a liar. I'm showing you the way to eternity with God, to the kingdom of heaven. He said, Hallelujah. So our Lord God Almighty reign. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. So He is raising readiness, preparedness. He is towering very high, prepared. 
blindness, readiness. And he says, verse 8, fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And he says, fine linen stands for the righteousness of the holy church, of God's holy people. And then, beloved people, verse 9, he says, Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb of God. And he added that these are the true words of God. That is where I want to begin from. Blessed are those who are invited into the wedding feast of the Lamb of God. So precious people, beloved people, you can see very clearly that the Lord Jehovah is talking about the responsibility of the pastor. Responsibility of the church. Right before the day of the coming of the Messiah. He's saying that your responsibility is to prepare the garment of the Lord in the church. When he showed me on January 15th, 2017, the Remnant Church, the Elect Church, the Holy Church, the Righteous Church, the Forgiven Church, that cancelled the church that was entering heaven. When he showed me that church, one very serious observation I made, which became the instruction of Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah Adonai, to the Church of Christ in Uganda, is the garment, the righteous garment, the garment of righteousness, the holy garment, the garment of purity, the garment of uprightness, the garment of right standing with God, the garment of the light of salvation. That is what I want to look at now. And you see here, he says, Blessed are those who are invited into the wedding supper of the Lamb. <laughs> who are these? Matthew chapter 8. The book of Matthew chapter 8, beloved people, then I will explain. Matthew chapter 8, you can read from verse 5. I am reading from verse 10. Jesus makes the faith of the centurion, the faith of the centurion. When Jesus heard this, 
baffled. He was amazed. He was astonished. And he said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and many from the west and they will take up their seats at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Hey. But those for whom the kingdom was prepared, was built, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown out, outside, into the darkness, where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is the message to the pastor? He's saying that Jesus the Messiah, he left Israel. But Israel was having a problem. They were undergoing a situation and a difficulty to identify the Messiah. Then a Gentile called a centurion, a Roman centurion. He saw Jesus and he saw the way he was being fitted. And he said, wow, isn't this the king of glory? They are treating like this. Isn't this the king of the universe? They are treating like this. Then he said to him, Lord, my servant lies at home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. And the Lord the Messiah said, I shall come to your house and heal him now. And he told the Messiah, no, no, don't come. Can you imagine someone telling the Messiah not to come to his house? Hey. He told the Messiah, don't come. Why? Because he said, you are the king of the universe. He said, all you need to do just say the word only. I know that your power is beyond special limitation. When you say there is no distance that is a barrier, an impediment to you, you have no impediment of distance. When you say it will happen, I am a sinner. I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. When he saw the faith of this Gentile, then he defined the church that will enter heaven. He said, there is a church that will come, the Gentile church. They will come walking the narrow road. For as far as the east, the rising of the sun is. For as far as the west, the setting of the same, the sun is, they will come walking the narrow road. And the Lord showed them to me in a single file, January 15th, 
کرد واکنگ سینگو فایل جوش خورلی رایدی ارکانت در دواندی سوین هیا در ارکانت فایل مینن برایت ایدش مین برایت مینن بای دنور شوی می دست رمین دفی بند جنوری سیسکیف دنور ورنی سیشنی تیلی می to come and announce to the nations of the earth, announce to you, the church, about the coming of the Messiah. Number one, the revelation now. He was sending with the church in Uganda to announce to the church of Uganda that be careful now. I have seen the entry of the church. I have seen the coming of the Messiah. Now I announce to you, this is the voice of one calling the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I have seen the Messiah coming. I have seen the kingdom of God. Separate from the kingdom of the world. And the mother of the sons of the baby, he said, no. In the world here, I brought them up very well. I fed them well. They were served by servants. They were attended. We are great on the earth here. We are honored here. Can you give them a seat on your right? A seat. Can you give them greatness in the kingdom of God? He said, no. My father has repaired for some people who have come from as far as east is, as far as west is, walking the narrow road, bearing the cup of the blood and the cross, bearing the cup of the rejection of the cross, the bitterness of the cross, the cup of righteousness, the cup of holiness. Their friends don't like them. If they are women, they are stuck alone. If they are men, they fear. They say, no, my body is the only temple of the Holy Spirit. They say, no, I cannot do that. I cannot go into sin because let the will of the Father prevail, like in the garden of Gethsemane. So number one, the raiment of the Lord. When the Lord showed me that tremendous event about to happen, He was essentially sending me to announce the nations of the earth. Number one, about the coming of the Messiah. Number two, by showing me the garment, He was emphasizing on the readiness of the church that tell the church in Uganda that the hour for readiness, preparedness, is now. Now, now, now. Now, not tomorrow. Why? Because nobody knows the day or the hour. Even the angels, even the Messiah does not know. So when the Father communicates with me and tells me to prepare the nation, that's why many times you hear me saying, listen.
you are being a believer. Oh, locally, oh, Christayo. Everybody knew that you are a locally. You are born again. How shameful will it be if that day comes and you don't enter? So he said, go and announce them. Go and tell them about this. I have shown it to you about this day. And essentially, announce to them about readiness, preparedness, that each one of them must prepare on their own. And the Holy Spirit is ready to help you. Number three, he was emphasizing about the character of the Christian salvation that the church that walks the narrow way, that has crucified the flesh, the church that has beheld the cup of the bitterness of the cross, the church that has enjoyed death cancellation from the Father, cancellation of sin, he was telling me to come and announce to you about the character, to tell you about the character that that church should behold. Our salvation should behold today, today in this world. Today. Not tomorrow, today. He was saying, fine linen, bright and clean, was given out where? Meaning, our salvation right now must be bright. Bright. Everybody now in this dark world, when they see that she is there, she's born again, she's walking the narrow road, you see the glory of her garment, her righteousness. Everybody from far will be able to see, wow, look at that church, she's born again. Look at that church, she's glorious, she's brilliant, she's dazzling, she's shining, she's splendor, she's separated, she's obvious, obvious, she's born again, it is obvious, she's born again, bright, everybody can see. Hey. The brightness. Matthew 5, 13 to 14. You are the light of the world. The church that is the light of the world. The light of the world, beloved. The book of Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 to 8, it says, Jesus stepped into the boat and crossed over and crossed over and came to his own town that is going to be Capernaum. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat and Jesus saw their faith and said to the man take heart son your sins are forgiven but this some of the teachers of the law say to themselves, this fellow is blasphemy. 
knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sin. So he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat and go home. The man, then the man got up and went home walking. Then the crowd saw this and they were filled with awe. And they praised God who had given such authority to men. Jesus, by doing this tremendous work of the cross, raising this cripple from the ground, the paralytic, then the dark world, they saw the light of God in Jesus. He's saying, this is the hour for the world to see the light of God, the garment of the church shining forth right now. That when you walk in righteousness, your works, your life, your lifestyle, your worship, your praise, your demeanor, salvation, Christianity will shine this light. Hey! Cripples are walking. The blind can see. The deaf can hear. The mute can speak. Paralytics are walking. Spinal cord injuries are getting up and going. Tumors are dissolving. Cancers are drying. Blood conditions, leukemia, diabetes. Hypertension. Kidney failure, heart conditions, the spleen, the liver, the intestine, the mental conditions, they are all being healed. The light of Christ must be seen now, because now is the world. This is when the world is darkest. It is in the greatest darkness. Hey. How can homosexuality be found in the church? Darkness in the church. How can women in Kampala dress on tight clothes, short miniscuffs, showing their nudity in the church? Darkness in the house. No. It says the church that beholds the cup of repentance, the cup of the blood of Jesus, walks the narrow road. She is going to be holy, shining the light of righteousness. Shining the glory of holiness. Our salvation will be bright. Brilliant. Dazzling. Glorious. Shiny. Splendorous. And obvious. The world can see. That one is born again. You enter an office in your workplace. And everybody can see, you look to me like you're born again. You say, yes, I'm born again. They can see your salvation. Hey! He said that because of that, that garment 
is a garment of purity, is pure white, without stain. It's the garment of innocence. The death of Adam has been cancelled, so that church is innocent. She has embraced repentance. If you see a church that does not want repentance, that church is walking the white road. That is a sinful church. They are in sin. But look at the glory of the church in Kenya. Even the Muslims are coming for healing. They are saying, no, I have my own problems in my house. I see people being healed on the other side. I need to take my son there. I have my personal needs here. I cannot wait on group action. Many, many are writing me, writing to me for prayer. They can see the light of salvation. Same church must be burst out in Uganda today. Hey! Stainless, without wrinkle. The purity of the garment. The innocence of their lives. Moral high purity. Moral high standard. Spiritual standard, a high spiritual quality, without defect, without wrinkle. That is the message he said, go tell them about the church I have shown you entering. And tell them it is possible. They have the Holy Spirit. They can do it. Those who want can do it. Beloved people, he was saying that today the church that beholds the salvation of the cross, that chooses righteousness, he says they will evangelize, they broadcast to this world, the dark world, the qualities of Jesus, the qualities of the Messiah. And he was saying Tell the church it is possible. Tell them that I have shown you already the people who will enter. So it is possible. It is not a storybook. It's not a tale. It is not a fiction. It is possible that they will realize. That they will materialize. That they will come to fullness, to completion. That they will arrive. It is not a fictitious day. It's a realizable day that will be realized in your lifetime, beloved people, in this generation. And you are saying that the garment in Revelation 19, 6 to 9, does not belong to the church. It's a divine garment. The origin of that garment is divine. It is God himself. That's why in Revelation 19 it says, Finest linen, lino finissimo in Portuguese and Spanish, finest linen, bright and clean, was given to the church, gratis, free of charge. Hey! Meaning, the source of the garment is God. And if that garment is the righteousness of the church, then that means 
than the standard of the righteousness of the church that you see in Kenya. Where now the glory has poured. Because they have upheld repentance. They have taken holiness. They have loved it. They have changed their dressing. They are now pursuing holiness at one in the day. At midnight. At 2 a.m. At 3 a.m. They are calling. How can I receive Jesus? How can I be more holy? Their hearts have been consumed by holiness. If that standard is now what God has brought and is loving them, then that standard is one. It applies to Uganda also. It applies to America also. To Europe, Australia also. Why? Because the source of the garment is one. The righteous garment is one. The garment of righteousness is one from God, divine source. Hey, Hebrews 12.14 is one. The Hebrews 12.14 I have in my Bible is the one that the church in Uganda has, the church in Africa has, the church in Sweden Stockholm has, the church in Melbourne has, which says, make every effort to be, to live in peace with all men, and to be holy. For without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. That scripture is one for all. <laughs> there is no escape out. So beloved people, I want to wind it here. I have so much to share. I want to talk to you so much about the garment of the Lord, the instruction for this hour. This garment is the consolation for the believers that are walking the narrow road. It will console you. You know now that I am going to inherit the kingdom of God. My suffering on this earth, my rejection on this earth, my separation from the pleasures of sin of this earth is not in vain. This garment I wear, it shows me that, look, I will enter heaven. I will enter eternity with God as they go and suffer in hell in the fire that never dies. For me, I will enjoy fellowship with God in heaven. It is the consolation to the righteous saints. It is also the rebuke to the wicked people, to the wicked church. He is telling them, look, you are naked and in shame. And you lose the grace. And your humiliation will be public. And the public will see your nakedness. The public will see your shame. Your judgment will be public. Because you are naked in the public. You will be put to shame in the public. You lose the grace in the public. The public will see your sin. They will see your shame. They will see your judgment. That is what we read in the book of Revelation 16 verse 15, beloved. That they may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Those that wear the garment, the righteousness of the Lord. Hey. 
the authority of the garment. That is the authority of salvation. This garment represents the heavy price the Messiah paid for a ransom to cancel your debt. Because you could not pay your own debt. Matthew 18, I read, from 23, I read down, 22 up to 27. And fell face down as a Lord, forgive me, I'm not able to say. Forgive me. If you put those talents, one, I think it is one, is it ten talents? Is it one thousand talents for you to build the temple? So how about ten thousand talents? Nobody can say. Hey. This garment I said represents the price. That's why I said the ransom. That's why I said the death cancellation. The price is paid for the church that they may be left free. Don't worry, I have paid their debt. Now release them. Hey. But Lord, my sins are enormous. My sacrifice is poor. I cannot sacrifice before you. It's not acceptable. Only the Messiah is without sin. And you've taken the Lamb of God. You put him in the cross. I can never pay you now. Lord, forgive me. I repent. That is what the garment represents. The ransom page. The garment represents the few. The character of Noah. The garment represents the restoration of the church in Uganda. When the time will reach in Uganda, where the church will now wear the garment of righteousness. And right now, I see the strain. I see sexual sins in Uganda. I see the gospel of prosperity in Uganda. The gospel of money, falsehood, false prophets. Those are big stains on the garment. The abortions in the church in Uganda. Uganda has invited me. You must bring me to Nambole. That your cripples may get up and walk for free. Praise the Lord. He's saying that when the time comes, when the church in Uganda will begin to embrace repentance and do a national repentance and repent for the scandals in the church, the homosexuality in the church. Sometimes some people have come from abroad and then gotten involved with homosexual pastors in Uganda and the young boys in Uganda. It's all over in the news. The past of immorality with a second wife. The false apostles. Those are the big stains on the garment. So when the church in Uganda will embrace repentance and begin to turn away from sin and start wearing the garment of righteousness and be bright, bright and clean, right, you say, fine linen, bright and clean. Shining bright, glorious. Then that also will now represent.
is that the dispensation, the time when the church has now been redeemed, when the church has been restored, when the Christian worship experience in Uganda has been restored, meaning the doctrinal error has been corrected. The division and the infighting in the church has been brought down. The indiscipline of the pastors, indiscipline, indiscipline of the sheep and the pastors will have been cast out, washed out, cleaned out. The corruption of the church in Uganda will have been cleaned out. The worldliness of the church in Uganda cleaned out. The apostasy of the church in Uganda will have been cleaned out. The deception of the church in Uganda will have been cleaned out. The immorality in the church in Uganda will have been cleaned out. The women will now wear long skirts, not tight to show their bodies, but loose and holy like the ones I saw entering heaven. The liberal theology of money and anything you want and anything you do is okay. We have been cleaned out. The postmodernism of the church in Uganda will have been cleaned out. The worship experience in the church will have been restored. So she'll be shining the fine linen bright and clean and the world will see, look the garment. The world will say, look the church, look the garment, look the bride, look he is coming, look she's ready. When the Lord showed me that vision, He came down Himself to show me and speak to me and lift me and bring me next to Him. The big cloud. That is Him inside there. And then showed me the garment they were wearing. He essentially sent me to you to tell you that this is the hour for fidelity to God. Fidelity. That is a church that was faithful to God. That garment they were wearing represents fidelity to God. Hey. It also represents their rejection of the world, hostility to the sinful pleasures of this world. The pleasures of sin that have drowned the church in Uganda. The church that has disconnected. This garment, when the church in Uganda wears this garment, it will essentially disconnect, fundamentally disconnect the church from the dark world, pleasures of the world, sinful pleasures. Moral decay of the world. This garment is the solution to the apostasy you see in the church in Uganda. You are saying, no, there is so much sin in the church. What can we do? Every side you go, there is sin. The believers are saying, where can I go? Every one of them is preaching money. Every one of them has a scandal going. Sexual scandal here. 
special thing where but I'm here to tell you that the solution has come the solution is righteousness this garment is the solution to the present apostasy in the church that he came and he said fine linen bright and clean was given her to wear the day has come and this bride has made herself ready meaning there is an effort she has to make herself ready when you are given the garment you have to make an effort to sustain the garment clean that's why Uganda needs to repent the Lord has sent me to call Uganda to repent even when he poured manna from heaven in Exodus 16 it is still required that they make personal effort and go and collect that means when the grace is given to you in Uganda you must number one accept the grace number two receive the grace number three wear the grace number four maintain the grace you have to work out your salvation in fear and trembling work it out every day daily basis second after second minute after minute day after day hour after hour day after day week after week month after month year after year work it out in fear and trembling when you wear the garment the garment I saw it was defines preparedness righteousness is what defines preparedness in the church Uganda the garment of the Lord is what defines the jealousy of God because you can see that they now that walk the narrow road wearing the garment he jealously guards them now you hear the Lord saying hand over your yoke my yoke is lighter now you hear the Lord saying on the highway of holiness no ferocious beast will be there Isaiah 35:8 and 9 now he jealously protects them because they are the fruit of the cross He doesn't want to lose them. Beloved people, the garment is the standard that puts your name in the book of life of the Lamb of God. May the Lord bless you, the Church of Christ in Uganda. I would have wanted to proceed on and on. I have so much conversation here. So many. Even recent ones. But I will leave you go because tomorrow there's a big healing service here. I hope you can also collect some cripples in Uganda and blind and tune in. The anointing of the Lord has no boundary. But those who want to receive the Lord, repeat after me, say, Precious Jesus, I repent. I repent and turn away from sin. And receive you in my heart as my Lord and Savior please forgive my sin and establish righteousness in my life
and Timbre on the narrow road and crucify my flesh that I may walk in the spirit that the will of God may stand that I may see the glorious eternal kingdom of heaven give me the fire of the Bible anoint me Lord in the mighty name of Jesus Amen thank you Lord Arabah Wherever in your Uganda, Baba Uganda, Katonda Eva, Baba Katonda Eva, may God be praised and blessed. Mukaba wa mukisa. I hope I've said it well. The Lord bless you. Shalom, shalom. Organize another meeting and invite me. Thank you. Just let me know in advance. Todaraba. They shall prosper who love thee. For the sake of the house of the Lord my God, I will pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Blessed be the Holy 